Welcome to another inspirational My Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Colin Santafe. To find out more about My Church, visit mychurchcanada.com. But how many people know we have a complicated relationship with good things? <laughs> you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but we have a complicated relationship with good things. Think about this story with the Israelites. And in fact, this story starts much earlier than Numbers 13. Because there's actually hundreds and hundreds of years of history that the Israelites experience. This has been a nation of slaves for 400 years. God hears their cries and he miraculously comes to these people, demonstrates his power to the Pharaoh, unleashes them from the oppression of the Egyptians. They're off now. They have this new lease on life. And even when the Egyptians pursue them, they see that the seas are parted. They see food fall from heaven. And now not only that, it's not just like they're going to go fend for themselves. But God says, I actually have this place, this good place that's reserved for you. And they're on the edge of it. They're looking in on the valley of the promise that God has for them. It's good. And yet they come back going, man, this is complicated. Man, I don't know about this. And I think in this story, what gives light to this situation is if we read down uh, towards the bottom of the story in verse 31, they say, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who lives there. All the people we saw were huge. Listen to what it says in verse 33. Next to them we felt like grasshoppers. The Amplified Translation puts it like this. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So notice, they don't, do, they don't come back to Moses with the report going, we did an empirical study and when we measured all of them, there were proportionately grasshoppers in relation to them. They didn't say that. They didn't say that just the people had labeled them as grasshoppers. They said, no, no, we felt small in our own sight. Wow. See, if there's one thing that I know is that insecurity complicates good things. Wow. Insecurity complicates good things. And we look at these Israelites with so much to gain, with so much promise just on the edge. But the battle that they were about to fight paled in comparison to the battle that they were fighting within themselves to believe that God had given them something good. Because think about the first of this. The very beginning of this, God doesn't go to, go to Moses and say, hey, man, we should just try getting this land. Like, we'll see what happens. He says, this is the land I'm giving you. See, God has actually given you something. I believe that, that God has actually called you to something good. He's reserved something good for you, a good relationship, good finances, good community, a good school experience, a good work experience. God has something on reserve for you. And it's not a question mark. It's a statement. And yet I think so often we can look at it and go, I don't know. Because I don't, I don't feel that way, though. I'm not convinced, maybe not even of God, I'm not convinced of myself. I'm not convinced that I've got what it takes. Insecurity complicates good things. And when I look at this story, it's interesting that even a society 
it seems like to me, and maybe this is just anecdotal, but it seems like to me we live in a, in a society, in a culture, in a time where we literally have more good things around us than any culture, any time in history. And yet we question more and more, probably more than any other generation, where we fit in it and what our futures look like. Isn't that interesting how our insecurity complicates things? And when you even think about it, we are literally the only thing on this planet that questions what we are. A rock doesn't look at another rock and go like, man, I, I don't know, I don't think I'm supposed to be this. An apple tree doesn't look at the fruit that it, that it displays, like in making apples and go like, oh man, like this is crazy, like I'm in some sort of existential crisis. It doesn't do that, but we're the only thing that says, I'm not sure if I'm a son and daughter of the Most High. I'm not really sure if what God said is true about me. I'm not really sure if he means that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not really sure if actually what he promised me, he's going to deliver on. I'm not really sure if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not really sure if I have what it takes for this next, this next leg of the journey. And I wonder, what relationships have been sidelined because of your insecurity? What God opportunities have you walked around because of your insecurity? What futures have you started to have fear about? And to create terror around because of your insecurities. The Israelites sit on an edge of a promise. And I'm convinced that so many of us, myself included, we sit on the edge of something great. But our insecurities can complicate a good thing. <clears throat> so with the rest of the time that we have, I want to explore what does insecurity do? How do we often deal with insecurity? And then what does God have to say about insecurity? So firstly, what does it do? Well, firstly, I think um, insecurity sees opposition over opportunity. Insecurity sees opposition over opportunity. Notice, again, God had said, this is your land. You're going to walk into this land. But so often, I think, when we're insecure, what we'll do is we won't see the opportunity that God's put in front of us. We'll only see the opposition. I wonder for you, are you consumed even in your relationships with all of the opposition? <clears throat> or are you still inspired by what God has called you to? Are you still inspired by the opportunity of what God can evoke from that other person? I wonder, are you still um, just kind of uh, calculating all of the opposition when it comes to that new work endeavor? Or are you seeing the opportunity of what God's called you to to be able to influence the people in your scenario, the people in your workplace, the people in your sphere? And yet so often, you know, insecurity is quick to find problems. It's quick to find uh, opportunity. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, you read my mind. It's quick to find those problems rather than to be focused on the problem. Secondly, insecurity trades truth for facts. So listen to the report. See, because this is the thing. Moses asked these guys for a report. And actually, all of their reporting was accurate. There was nothing that they said up until the end of it that wasn't accurate. The fruit was exactly what they showed, and they brought samples of it. The cities were fortified. The land was beautiful. All of these things. But this is where they took all of the facts of their life, but they omitted the truth. Because the truth was is that God had actually told them this was their land. 
but they had only just looked at the facts. See, insecurity will only look at what can't happen. It'll look at the facts around the relationship. It'll look at the statistics around it. It'll look at the facts around your bank account. It'll look at the facts around how you've been hurt by church or hurt by people, whatever it is for you. And yet you've got to also consider the truth. What's the truth about the situation? Yeah, the fact is, is you might have had somebody say something about your appearance that you're still walking with you. The truth is, God says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, there might be facts around your bank account, for sure. There might be things that you really have to look at and issues that you have to address. But the truth is, is that we have a God who's a provider. We have a God who's a provider of more than enough. And I wonder, is your insecurity only making you have tunnel vision to see the facts? Or do you still see the truth in the situation? Because these guys were all facts and no truth. They were all facts and that was accurate and that was good. I'm not saying facts are bad. You still need them to make a living and make good choices and decisions. But don't omit who God is in the situation. Don't omit who God is in this whole thing. And finally... Insecurity draws the wrong conclusions. You ever had a wrong conclusion drawn? I think sometimes husbands, when, when we're talking to our wives, like sometimes um, wrong conclusions can happen. Like as a random example, like let's just say, let's just, not my wife, but let's just say somebody else's. It's like, hey, like what do you think of my hair? You're like, oh, you did something? It's like, oh yeah, no, it looks, it looks good. And now based on that, See, because there's this thing called the, the, the sin of omission. It's not what you said, it's what you didn't say. Because really what she wanted in that moment was, oh my gosh, like she didn't even have to ask for one, but she's like, wow, that, Beyonce, no, trust me, like you just, you just killed it right now. And all of a sudden, they draw some crazy conclusions. And they start saying words like, you always, or you never, and Toby was telling me about this this morning, and I just prayed for him. And I said, Father God, open his eyes, open his ears. I'm just trying to help people. Burnett's looking at me like, mm, you didn't help him. Um, <laughs> insecurity draws the wrong conclusions. It draws the wrong conclusions. Think about it. Everything that they said, their report was accurate, their conclusion was wrong. The report on the land was accurate. There was some real resistance. There was some real firepower. But their conclusion was, if anybody lives there, they'll be devoured. I wonder what your insecurity is saying. Yeah, yeah, school's going to be tough. I get it. There's going to be some new work. You're going to have to make some changes. But that doesn't mean that you're going to fail. Yeah, 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 in your relationship, yeah, you're going to have to go to work. You might need a counselor. You might need to let some friends in. 100%, you should do that. But that doesn't mean it's too far gone. And I wonder, what conclusions are you drawing? Man, I'm not good enough. I'm not capable enough. Man, there might be some real facts that inform that, but you're drawing the wrong conclusions. And I think we need to let God draw his own conclusions because it's his story. He's writing it. And if he's writing it, and if he's faithful, and if he's involved in your life, then I believe that God actually has the final say in your life. Not your insecurity, not your conclusion of what you think you can or you can't do, because I've seen a God who can use somebody who doesn't feel like they've got enough, who can't do it, and he says, because of me, you're more than enough. See, insecurity draws the wrong conclusions. 
But I think we also have to look at how we deal with insecurity. Because this is what I see in this story is really ultimately how not to deal with insecurity. But I think there's three things that we often do when it comes to our insecurities. And this is what I want you to do. If you're taking notes, and if you're not, this is a good time to jump on the train, is, <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just, <laughs> you're only offended if you're not taking notes, I'm just saying. But <laughs> take your insecurity, write it down in your notes, and we're going to filter this for a sec through your personal insecurity and how you're actually dealing with it. Because I see people deal with insecurity in three ways, avoidance, aesthetics, activity. Man, avoidance. I wonder that insecurity that you're dealing with right now. Is it about avoiding? Avoidance. Man, I can't have that conversation. I'm not willing to. I wonder if it's avoiding pain. Because right or wrong, you're going to have to go through and explore some pretty deep hurt. Some pretty deep pain. And I get why you would want to avoid that. I'm not trying to belittle that but I'm not sure if that's the best way to deal with it. Man, I think people avoid the work sometimes. Because, yeah, for you to work through how you view yourself, that's going to take real work. For you to change maybe how you feel when it comes to your school, that's going to take real work. Man, for you to feel confident in your career, that might take some real work. Man, I think some of us, too, even when it comes to our insecurities, we avoid help. I wonder who's somebody that you need to actually start to talk to and open up the conversation with. I see these Israelites, and the first thing they do when they get the report is like, I don't want it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go into that land. And their insecurity complicates that good thing. Don't let avoidance block you from what God has. Because really, with every battle, or with every blessing, there is a battle. And I think we need to start to open up and get help that we need. Start to work at it and start to address the things. I see aesthetic as well. Numbers 14. So if we keep reading in the story, the Israelites, they, they basically are like, we don't want this. But listen to what they continue to say in Numbers 14. I think it's starting in verse 2. Man, if we had only died in Egypt... Or here in the wilderness, they complain. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? (laughs) Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? I see a lot of people, myself included, (coughs) that their insecurity, everything around them is wrong. And if I can just change my aesthetic, if I can change up my friends, if I can change up my city, if I can change up my church, if I can change up my school courses... If I could change out the people around me, yeah, then I'll be all right. If I can change my clothes, if I can change how I talk, if I can change how I walk, then, then I'm going to be okay. And it might not be work today, but it might be tomorrow. It might not be church today, but it might be tomorrow. And yet the crazy thing is, is when it comes to our insecurities, we're at the scene of the crime every time. And these Israelites look at it and go, man, I know what we need. We just need to be in Egypt and everything's going to be better. We just need to change our location and things are going to be all right. And I wonder in your insecurity if you had the courage and the audacity to start to say, maybe it's not what's happening around me. Maybe it's not what's on me, but it's actually what's happening in me. 
I wonder if you're chasing an aesthetic and that's how you deal with your insecurities. Finally, activity. So God and Moses have this conversation. God's just like, man, look, these guys still got stuff to learn. And for every year that the spies were in this land, or sorry, every day that the spies were in this land, which is 40 days, they're gonna serve a year in the wilderness figuring themselves out. And Moses and God have this exchange and the people get wind of this and listen to what they do. They turn around, get up the early the next morning and they're like, hey, let's go to the hills. Let's go, we realize we've sinned. Now we're ready to enter what the Lord has promised us. And Moses says, why are you disobeying God's orders to return to the wilderness? It's not gonna work. And so what do they do? Moses and the ark, they stay there. They stay at camp, but it says the people went into the hill country and then it says the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in those hills came down and attacked them and chased them back. I think a lot of the time when we're dealing with insecurities, we just want to take it into our own hands. Man, if I can work my way out of this, I am feeling insecure in my career. Man, if I can just work a little bit harder than everybody else, man, then, then I'll take it into my own hands and then I'll be good. Man, if I can just work a little bit harder, man, I'm not sure. I'm insecure about God. I don't know if he really accepts me because he's seen all of me. So, man, I'm just going to read a little bit harder. I'm going to pray a little bit harder. I'm going to be better and more pious than everybody around me. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but the motivation with which we chase them matters. Man, I went through a season of not feeling like I was capable and I'd be doing what I was doing and, and doing work and all this stuff. And I was like, man, I just, I don't feel capable on the inside. And so I thought, man, the remedy, I'm gonna work harder. I'll do more. And then I'll feel in control. Then I'll feel like I can handle this. And the more and more that I did that, the less control I felt like I had. I wonder if you using activity to deal with your insecurity. But there's one more way, I think, that we can deal with insecurity. I was talking to one of the guys at Connect Groups and he said something that I thought was really profound. It's a paraphrase, but he basically said, it's like, I'm learning in my life right now to not just kind of go around my insecurities, but to go through them with God. And you know, where we can chase aesthetics and activity or maybe avoidance, the greatest thing we have in light of our insecurities is assurance. The greatest thing that we have that we can deal with our insecurities with is assurance. I love the song, Blessed Assurance. It was written by a, uh, a woman named Fanny Crosby, and this is how she opens the verse. She says, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. You know, the incredible thing about about Fanny Crosby if she was blind. And I think how powerful are those statements? With nothing sure, she can't see anything around her. But based on those lyrics, she was very sure about what was happening in her. And today for you, I think the greatest thing that I can encourage you with is you have a beautiful and a blessed assurance in Jesus. You have something that's beautiful in Jesus. And yeah, I, I don't think that life is about avoiding all insecurities. Because the more I live life, the more I realize as I walk into what God has, 
he keeps peeling back layers of insecurities. He keeps peeling back layers where he goes, this is an opportunity to trust. And it's really about trusting him through it because every insecurity is an invitation to trust, to get to know Jesus. And look, I'm not the first person to preach on this. In Hebrews 3 and 4, the writer of Hebrews, he talks about this impasse with this Israelite community. He talks about this moment and he talks about how they didn't have the faith in that moment and they didn't come into the rest of God. But I love how in in Hebrews 4, he ends this track in this whole sermon or this whole thought on this. He says, so then, since we have such a great high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings as we do, yet did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we'll receive his mercy and find his grace to help us when we need it most. You can't beat your insecurities. You can't beat it through work, through avoidance, through aesthetics, but this underscores the fact that we actually have a God who doesn't just help us from a distance, but actually experienced the same things that we did, and he said, I overcame it. I've got some confidence. I've got some things that I can show you. And so where you feel insecure in your relationships, he had a secure relationship with the father and said, I know how to work this thing out. Where you're feeling insecure with your finances, when the disciples didn't have enough, he could look at a fish and say, there's the money for it. And he could work something together because he's a provider where it doesn't feel like you have enough because of the labels that people have said. God says, you're more than enough. You're more than a conqueror. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're beautiful. You're intelligent. You're ready. And just like that, when we approach that throne of grace, that's actually where I think we find the confidence. We have something that the world doesn't have. We've got a dad who speaks confidence over us. I know we struggle to really find who we really are. And yet the most beautiful thing is that we're sons and we're daughters. And that's gonna be a lifelong thing. And I can't give you some systematic principle to overcoming your insecurity. The only thing I, need, I know that you need to do is start finding places to start putting your weight and your faith and your trust in who God is. Start leaning on the character of who he is. Start leaning on his word and maybe you're facing off with provision and then you just need to find a word in the Bible that says God is a provider and I'm just gonna speak that over my morning every single morning. Maybe for you, you you're facing off with some situations with your spouse or you just gotta go, man, God is love and, and he loved the church so much he gave his life up for and I'm just called to just keep loving and so I'm just gonna speak that word over my situation over and over again and all of a sudden it starts to push the conclusion from your story to his story. It starts pushing the conclusion to what you are to who God is. It starts moving you from what you can't do to what he can do in you. See, because that's the thing is that God has good things for you. He doesn't want your insecurity to complicate things, but he wants to do something in you and through you. In Jesus' name, come on. We hope this message blessed and encouraged you. To find out more about our church, visit mychurchcanada.com.